Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Wednesday Buckeye Talk. Douglas Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, and Lucas Oil Stadium is being torn down around us because Big Ten Media Days are over. Ohio State spoke on Wednesday. Ryan Day, CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Ronnie Hickman. I have the tablecloth on my head yeah. because I'm in cavernous Lucas Oil Stadium and they have a radio row here. And I didn't know. Usually my boss says if you put a if you put a blanket on your head, it makes the sound better. So I took the black tablecloth off the radio table and I'm wearing it. So that's what it's, I do for the listeners. For people who've watched Better Call Saul, it's a little bit like when Chuck would wrap himself oh, in yeah. a space blanket. Yeah, I'm already a meme today because I had a grumpy look on my face. And Audrey <laughs> Snyder from The Athletic, who's a Penn State writer, took a picture of me and was like, what's wrong with Doug Le Maurice? And I was like, that is my resting face. That is unbelievable because I was talking to James Franklin, but I was asking like James Franklin questions about the state of college football. I'm not mad at James Franklin. It looked like I was preparing to murder James Franklin. So I have to work on my resting face. You got our, RBS, our boss, man. Yeah, I do. Our boss, Dave, our boss, Dave Campbell, texted me and asked me to come up with uh, 10,000 words for part one of what's wrong with Doug Lamerys. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that is still a legitimate story, not because of that photo, but there was already plenty wrong with me before that photo came out. So uh, I did make it my avatar just because Ari Wasserman asked me to. We I actually want to as people love it when we do this, I want to talk about the podcast on the podcast. We have become very intrigued. Nathan, by Ryan Day, and you are the news writer here in charge of football. I actually want to clarify this with you. Ryan Day said something about Ohio State having a top 10 defense. Did he say we should, we will, we can, we need to? I don't remember what the exact wording was, but he brought that up, and we have some stats on that. I have a poll on that. Do we definitely want to dive into that now, or do we – just want to do a short podcast about what everybody said here. And like, we'll come back in a day and deal with that. I, I'd be fine either way with that. I guess I thought he said they should have a top 10 defense. I think what you could also say though, is so we did a video about this and I wrote a post about it, but I, I, I think it, it's fair to ask whether he's saying they should have one in 2022. We I think expect he's saying that the, a top okay. 10 defense. We, the word was expect. Okay. Yes. Right. I think that means now and always. Yes. Then I don't think he, he didn't say we expect a top 10 defense eventually. So, and he didn't say we expect a top 10 defense only this year. I think that's why they're giving Jim Knowles $2 million a year. And that has been the past standard, but I don't know. What do we got? What do we think? I mean, or do we want to just do dig in on the defense and then come back later and talk about what we thought we learned from CJ Stroud? The stuff that we learned from CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Ronnie Hickman and Ryan Day today, we will do a news brief. But did we learn enough from them that was like, wow, we need to talk about that for 45 minutes? No, I think the okay. defense thing is, is a more interesting conversation. Okay. All right, we'll do that. And then, you know, we'll work all the CJ and, and Jackson and, you know, Ronnie stuff in later. So let's do this very quickly. All right, congratulations to us for planning the podcast on the podcast. We kind of planned it before, and then I double-checked. Nathan, let's do the Nathan Baird news brief. Breaking news from Indianapolis. What are the handful of things from a news perspective that we learned, mostly from Ryan Day on Wednesday, that our dear Buckeye Talk listeners need to know? Maybe it starts with, with Lathan Ransom. 
Yeah, Lathan Ransom, he said, is good to go, I think was his actual term. Later on, he clarified and said, um, maybe not be 100% for the start of the season, but he's expecting him to be a participant through most of the preseason. Maybe not in team stuff to start off, but another safety that they'll have in the mix. And I clarified also, because we've talked about him before, um, where he exactly he would fit. He was kind of playing, you know, nickelback in the postseason in 2020. He was playing... Um, cover safety when they still had a position called that when he was playing in the Rose Bowl because Marcus Williamson wasn't available. And I asked if he going to be in that uh, nickel safety or is he going to be in one of the deep spots? And he said, well, they're working him a couple places, but not so much at nickel. So it sounds like he would be a support guy at the Rover Bandit level. How big a deal of that is that, Stephen, the idea of Lathan Ransom being back in that mix? I mean, it adds another you know, name into the hat of chicks that they have at safety already. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about Court Williams behind Josh Proctor and Ronnie Hickman and Kai Stokes being back there. Lathan Ransom was brought here to be a free safety. And then they moved him all around because of a combination of needing guys in different positions, but also he showed them some coverage things. So if he's back at one of those deep safety spots, like he was originally supposed to be, that just adds some depth. But even if you still think the starters are Josh Proctor and Ronnie Hickman. They definitely well, think, at, at Ronnie Hickman, he was talking a lot about like six safeties. So you, I think if you think right. Ronnie Hickman, Josh Proctor, are the starters deep, Tanner McAllister is the nickel safety. And then if you have Cam Martinez behind Tanner McAllister and you have Lathan Ransom and Court Williams behind Proctor and Hickman, I think that's a six some Nathan that they like. Yeah, that's why I think it could be somewhat significant just because in that group of six that you've named, there are still some guys who are not proven like frontline Big Ten players. I mean, Ronnie Hickman is. is. Is he the one? I mean, legitimately. I mean, Josh Parker, we think, would do it if he had the chance to do it for full season. We think there's something with Court Williams. We think that Cam Martinez has that kind of talent. Tanner McAllister did it in the Big 12, but this, I think, is a different standard, potentially. So uh, I think just having that extra guy who you know is, is, is that same caliber, right, is another guy who has shown a little bit and we think could maybe do it if they were given a full-time job. I think having as many of those guys as possible when there are still some unknowns is a, is a positive thing and maybe a necessary thing for this defense. All right. Next news item, uh, offensive line, especially depth on the offensive line is something that Ryan day was talking about in the spring. It's one of the major questions of this team. What did we learn? He's still not crazy about where things are from a, a depth standpoint, but we did get some, some new Intel on, I guess what he thinks of, of who is filling in, behind those five certain starters. He said Josh Fryer, who's a guy who missed the whole spring and is, I think, a pretty important guy um, from a versatility standpoint, but especially because he can provide support at tackle. He is going to be ready for the start of the season. He also name-dropped two guys, uh, Enoch Vamahi, who we already knew about, and is another guy who can bounce around a little bit, has experience at a couple spots. But then Zen Michalski as uh, a, a fairly crucial guy maybe potentially because as we've talked about so many times here on Buckeye Talk and everywhere else um, the tackle situation for 2023 is really uncertain and if they can develop someone else uh, someone from that group of of lower ranked guys to be a legitimate Big Ten guy by next year it could be um, a difference making situation so um, to hear that he is maybe asserting himself a little bit and becoming a a guy that they could trust uh, is I think important uh, somewhat for 2022 because they will still need some depth but potentially again still just that on that horizon the 2023 year where they don't know who's playing left tackle it could be really big. Steven we've talked about this a lot I think some of the consternation in the spring was because a couple of those backup guys especially Fryer they were hurt. And then like when they're hurt, then they really can get thin. But should the people listening to this be reassured at all with the way Ryan Day talked about those backups on Wednesday? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to use the word reassured. I think we now know who six and seven and eight might be. Okay, They just have to spend the fall reassuring that. Okay. Nathan, Nathan Baird news update. What else? What else did we what's like a thing? A little little nug little tidbit i had maybe a banana nut muffin my hotel you guys do this right my hotel had the banana nut muffins in the plastic wrap uh for breakfast so i took three and then i've been eating them all day because that's (laughs) i mean they want you to right if they're individually wrapped they want you to take three muffins i'm paying for it free breakfast but i paid for the hotel uh, 
No, I ate ham and cheese and egg croissant sandwiches at my hotel the last two days. Oh, I'm the third. I stay at a place that serves croissant sandwiches. Uh, I eat banana nut muffins. So what's another banana nut muffin of news that you can give or a croissant, which croissant, which that you can give to the listeners? Uh, Jim Knowles will be calling the defense from the field. I don't think that's a surprise and it's probably not a, a like massive thing, but it is kind of interesting to hear from a, a, a just an organizational standpoint, how they're going to set things up. That's kind of how I expected it to be. And I would, I asked Ryan day. So does that mean Tim Walton will be the guy in the booth? And he said, well, it could be Walton. It could be Eliano. I just assumed it would be Walton from a, uh, both kind of like a veteran um standpoint a guy who's called a defense before but then also just i think you want perry eliano down on the field to scream at dudes because it seems like he's good yeah. at that okay uh what else is the the kicker thing someone asked about the kicker they yeah. were like they were like oh parker lewis isn't eligible yet and i was like or they said parker lewis isn't on the roster and i was like parker fleming's not on the roster did they make a coaching <laughs> change and i was like this is too many parkers Parker so Lewis is Parker the, Lewis. the transfer kicker from USC um, is, is still not showing up on the roster. Day said it is very much like the el- transfer eligibility situation that they ran into last year with Neatote, and he thinks it could be resolved in the next week. You know, it, obviously with no ruggles back, it's not a, a major need. You don't think for Ohio state um, you've even still got um Jake Seibert, um, yeah, uh, hanging around on the, the roster as well. So uh, they did then say something along the lines because he was asked, you know, then what does that mean for the competition? He's like, well, we got to worry about the the 110 limit, which is it used to be 110. I thought it was higher than that. Well, no, it's, there's a camp number and there's after the season starts, you right. can expand it. Mm-hmm. And 110 right. must be the right. camp number. And it sounds like number, yeah. he was not particularly eager to have three kickers in the 110 in camp. I mean, yeah, but I thought that was an interesting thing to say when you are the one who decided to bring in a kicker. Like, yeah. it wasn't like the guy's forcing his way onto the roster. He didn't just show up and write his name on there, and now you're stuck. Like, you invited the guy to be part of the program. So I'm not sure what what's happening with that dynamic. But one to just kind of keep an eye on if it gets resolved here in the next week, which practice starts uh, uh, report date is Wednesday the third. Practice starts Thursday the fourth. Uh, we will be there. Uh, sounds like there'll be an availability and maybe a practice window to watch that morning. So all this again starts uh, a week from tomorrow. Not a week. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Also has also as many scholarship kickers as they have quarterbacks. It's just I don't. Well, I guess it's one of those things that the USC guy is like a starting kicker. If he's like, hey, I want to come. It's like, I guess I probably have room for you, but why not? Maybe not in camp, but like, what what does he need? Noah Ruggles skip spring football. This guy can skip fall camp. doesn't matter. When you get out there, there's the ball. There's the upright. Do what you're supposed to do. Uh, any other Nathan Baird news updates of note that people need to know about? I'm trying to think back through the day and everything we heard over, over the course of the day. Um you text some stuff out. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. I can look back over the text list. Yeah. Haven't we got over this with Mark It Down Monday? You well, you didn't mark down the news <laughs> as the news was unfolding? It's, you guys it's, kept my phone. Ryan Day came out before he was supposed to speak again. We tell you guys, it's like they, each coach gets 15 minutes up at the podium that they do on TV. Then every coach and every, every player gets an hour at a table on their own later on. But Ryan Day came out. Before the coach stuff started and he got mobbed then before he even went up and talked and talked for like 25 minutes then before the TV talk. And then after the TV talk, when he came down the steps, you guys were standing around again. I was like, what else is there to ask him? He's going to talk for four hours today. But then I think he didn't talk that. But like what? So a lot of these nuggets, Nathan, came out of that initial session, right? Because that was like nitty gritty beat writer stuff. Yeah, exactly. And and he did say later uh, he was asked because um, we one of the things you try to do here is get an, an injury update as the season's getting ready to start. And he said that right now Mitchell Melton is the only guy they're not expecting to be able to participate in camp. That's pretty good. That's pretty like like sometimes, Stephen, from a fan standpoint, you don't want to actually get news that you had no idea about this. Like what? This mm-hmm. guy who's one of the best 35 players is all of a sudden out because something happened the last two months. So I guess, Stephen, no news is good news on that front, right? If there's nobody added to the out for camp roster. Yeah, especially since they've been doing summer workouts. That means nobody got hurt running yeah. laps. 
And they did have a, you know, they had several guys missing in the spring mm-hmm. that were like, okay, well, we're anticipating they'll be back in the fall. And now that they're on track to be back in the fall. I will say this. It also mean uh, Avery Henry, who got here in the summer, he showed up with a foot injury, which means he's no longer in that foot injury. If Ryan oh. Day saying everybody but Mitchell Melton is right. healthy. And he, but he may also have been, he may not have really been including like late arriving freshmen in that That's assessment. Fair. You know what I mean? Just because I don't yeah. know if he was expecting them to, to play very much yeah that's true okay that's it for the nathan baird news update that's it we're good that's it no other news we need to do wrap it up all right we'll wrap it up we'll come back and talk briefly about a couple other things and then we'll dig in on this top 10 defense next up buckeye talk Douglas maurice Stephen means nathan baird Stephen caleb downs did announce on wednesday that he is not coming to ohio state wouldn't that be funny if you just had like individual news conferences as you eliminated teams Caleb Downs does not commit to Ohio State, and next week he'll not commit to somebody else, and then it's like a winner, like on The Bachelor, right? Like every week Mm -hmm. you get rid of somebody. He did commit to Alabama. We will dig into this later, Stephen, on a a podcast the next couple days because it deserves more than this. But what is our 30 seconds of reaction as we record this Wednesday evening to Caleb Downs not being a Buckeye? Yeah, he started trending towards Alabama about two weeks ago. Um, he's another guy from that final weekend, that June 24th weekend that Ohio State has lost out on. I think they're now three and seven of guys who came into that weekend undecided because Luke Montgomery and Malik Hartford were already in the class. And they're three and seven of the other guys who have committed to other schools. Uh, Jelani Thurman, Kyan Lee, and Calvin Simpson Hunt are the three guys that they have one out on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But yeah, Caleb Downs, the number 12 player, the top safety in the country, has been the number one guy on Ohio State's board for basically since the moment Sonny Styles committed and then decided to reclassify. He's been the top guy on their board and they Perry Aliano put all of his work into that. But Bama's Bama to an extent. That excuse is OK because everybody loses to Bama. Um, I, I made a reference on the video and I'll make it here. This was either going to be a Von Bell or a Jordan battle where a five-star safety who Ohio State had no business getting decides to come to Columbus. And with Von Bell, it ended up being one of the most pivotal, maybe the most pivotal recruitment of the Urban Meyer era, while Jordan battle kind of signified the other side of that when he committed to Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer left, he was no longer coming here. And Caleb Downs had the opportunity to be Ryan Day's Von Bell, but instead he's going to head to Alabama where down the line here in some playoff game, maybe he's going to have to face Caleb Downs. So Mike Rodak, who's one of the really good Alabama beat writers Mm. for our company at AL.com, tweeted this out today. Alabama, which is set to lose Jordan Battle, DeMarco Hellums, and perhaps others from its secondary next offseason has added three five-star 2023 defensive backs in Caleb Downs, Jaleel Hurley, and Tony Mitchell. All are among the top 25 overall prospects in the Mm -hmm. 247 sports composite. That's one of those, Stephen, where if Alabama's offering Bama and opportunity, like, you know, hey, we're reloading at your position, um, doesn't excuse, you know, high state, be nice to get one of those guys, but Caleb Downs. It's funny you mentioned Jordan Battle because that was a big loss. As it turned out, Jordan Battle is an All-American. And now Caleb Downs can look at what Jordan Battle is and became Mm -hmm. and say, I want to be that when for a while people thought Jordan Battle was going to be Jordan Battle in Columbus. Yeah. And for what it's worth, Hurley and Mitchell are both from Alabama. So, uh, you know, the best program in the country keeping two guys in its backyard home isn't crazy they're also the yep. number two and number three corners in the country but still they they got some five stars and that's what bama does here uh, alabama did with their defensive backs in this class what ohio state is doing with their wide receivers i mean they're gonna lose over the next two years gary wilson chris olave and jackson smith and jigba for sure and they're replacing them brandon and his carnell tate noah rogers and bryson rogers so uh, ohio state does it they just don't do it on defense yet right okay we will dig into recruiting more later. CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Ronnie Hickman, the three players who were here talking. Nathan, I do want to give people a little taste of that. You were at Jackson Smith and Jigba for his entire hour on Wednesday. Give us a little JSN flavor. 
what was his vibe? What was he asked about? What did you learn hanging out with a guy who's in the mix to be the best receiver in the country for an hour? Yeah, it's a guy who's having a moment and is probably going to have one for the course of the season and seems very comfortable with that. A guy who um, uh, has been, I think, always sort of expected to be in this position to some extent, not in a cocky way, but you're seeing that that sort of natural confidence um, sort of exude out of him. And you can ask him questions about, you know, um, your name being mentioned in the same breath as the Heisman trophy and, and things like that. And, um, he's not, you know, knocked back by those things. So, but not also though, that he doesn't seem, you know, too wrapped up in those things. And, uh, I'm intrigued to see how he actually does handle from a football standpoint, what's going to happen this season. Cause that's definitely um, a, a big focus for him right now. He was talking about, you know, creativity was a, a word that kept coming up and, and, and kind of coming up with uh, new ways to uh, attack defenses or keep defenses off, off, uh, off balance, because he knows that he's going to be a targeted guy this year, not targeted just by CJ Stroud, but a guy who opposing defensive backs are already, you know, wondering how they're going to shut down, thinking about how to shut down, watching film on how to shut down. Um, and, and he's going to have to find a way to overcome that because he doesn't have the way that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave uh, did last year. He doesn't have that, that second, um, that, that Batman to his Rob or Robin, his Batman, I should say, or, or vice versa. Uh, actually, that's not even a good analogy, right? Cause one of them wasn't less than the other. They were, they were pretty equal. And then he came along as the third one. So maybe like he, the gonna, wonder twins. Did you like the wonder twins? Remember the Wonder Twins in the Justice League? They'd be like the Wonder Twins, and they uh, they would always they could take shape of different things. I think one of them could take a shape of anything that was water related, and I think the other one was uh, took shape of an animal. So it'd always be like the Wonder Twins, and they'd say Wonder Twin powers activate, and the one would be like Wonder Twin powers shape of an ice pick. And the other one would be like Wonder Twin Powers, shape of a falcon. And then like the falcon would put the ice pick in its claws and then like stab the bad guy in the head. So like that would be like that, that like they were the Wonder Twins last year. And then Jackson Piston Jigba was their friend. He was the third. He was the Wonder Triplet. The, they wonder didn't, triplet. He was a long lost Wonder Triplet that showed well, that's, up midway through the season. Who's better than all of them? Who's what, better than both is, of them? This is, I, I, you keep saying, I, I, you, you, you. You're still married to Garrett Wilson. Like you can't say this stuff. <laughs> I mean, he said it. Things, like was he, he said it before the season. He literally said Jackson is, is the best I've ever seen. He's better. And I, yeah, he, he says it. So I am just he had better stats. Being, he had better stats. than them. No, okay. he said that he was better than them. I know. Okay. It's fine. Uh, you just, it you can't, you can't her. just, you can't just fall head over heels in love. It's like, Oh, I'm who's not Steven's guy? Of, the leading receiver every I'm year, not, whoever it is. I am making sure that my first love's voice is always heard. And when he says to me and the world, Jackson Smith Jigba is better than me and Chris Olave, I have to listen to it. So Jigba was asked if he felt snubbed by not winning the Bolitnikov last year, which I thought was a, an interesting question and probably came from someone who didn't watch how that season sort of unfolded and understand the dynamics of those awards. But um, Jackson Smith said if he had the choice, he thought it should have gone to Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave or Jamison Williams. Yeah. Which also probably might be true. I mean, Jordan Addison's good. We get it. Jordan Addison's good. The brotherhood. But, um, but the, hey, no, the thing he, that he, he, he gave Jordan Addison his props too. But the other thing is like, right. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to demand attention but then those other guys are going to develop and at least take some of the attention away. We assume just the way Jackson Smith and Jigba developed last year. But I do think um, that creativity thing, it was like you asked Ryan day about that. And he said, well, some guys just run the route the way they're the way it's drawn up on paper. And some guys just find a way to get open. And Jackson's one of those guys who just finds a way to get open, which like wants me to makes me want to ask Brian Hartline that exact same question. Cause I, I'm not sure that Brian Harlett won't be like, you better run the route the way it's drawn up on paper. What are you talking about? Creativity, run the dang route. Like well, this is, I, this way, is not art class. But, but Jackson's been the joke, but the way he talked about it today was that, you know, sometimes you do what you're supposed to do, but you also recognize 
when a route is defended and you are no longer an option. And when it's third down, it's fourth down, you're playing Michigan, you're playing the Rose Bowl, you then have to find a way to get open. And the connection that he has with C.J. Stroud does seem to allow for some some amount of that kind of freelancing. Now, Ryan Day, as I was asking him that question, you may have noticed, started to do that kind of Ryan Day smile, which is mm-hmm. like, okay, I know he said that, but like, <laughs> that's not what, that's not what we do. These guys will just get to go out and chuck it around like it's a playground. But there is some element of that 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 does come into play. Not on not four downs a game, not every series, but the way Jackson Smith the Jigbee was talking about it, it's like third down, fourth down, crucial times. You have to be able to get yourself open when plan A doesn't work. And I think it's the same way for a defensive back too, obviously. Like you 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 try to read a play and uh you realize you've read it wrong. Well, you've still got to find a way to defend that pass. It works the same way for a receiver on the other side. You know what it is? It's 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 the same dynamic Ryan Day had with Justin Fields with the hold on to the ball too long versus when to throw it away. For year one, it's like just throw it away. Year two, it's you know, you know, sometimes he's gonna make a play. Year one yeah. and year two, it was like Jackson, just run the route, please. Year three, it's Jackson, do whatever you want, man. Just do it. Well, just go I, but I do I think it's it's there's plan A, but if you have to go to plan B, I think mm-hmm. that I think it helps when the quarterback and the receiver both right know what plan B is because they have that kind of connection and they both they've thrown so many balls in in the summer and they just have that hey if 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 you're supposed to do this but the safety does this then you're going to do this instead and that kind of thing where he can be creative because I think CJ is being creative right along with him because they know each other so well Wait again, I don't think it's going to be, they're not going to be lining up and there's going to be like just like a wink and a head turn or whatever. And they're going to have some sort of special code that they talk like this. Again, this isn't going to be an every but, down thing. Not but every I down, but, but, but that's exactly a Steven. That's all the stuff Steven was asking about. That's what Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford do. Yeah. You line up and then you do a wink and a, and a nod your head. And like that means we're changing the route. And I know what the play yeah. call is, but we're doing this instead. I do think right. that's part of what they're talking about. It is even day, yeah, even day, even, they even said it. They, CJ will admit to you that sometimes he looked for Jackson a little too much. I do think yeah. it's you. You're, we're going to see it at times where it just become like we're just going to dump it to Jackson and those two are just going to be on the same page. Even if it's not like, OK, all that winking. But the point of the matter is there's going to be times where CJ Stroud lines up and he goes, I'm just throwing the ball to Jackson. And that's just going to be what it is. And Jackson knows that. Maybe we could try to get CJ and Jackson to do like a Wonder Twins thing. Because I think the I think the Wonder Twins were they like already look like each other. Like a full length Leotard that that they had. Um I love the Wonder Twins. Nobody like Justice Justice League on Saturday mornings, it's like Aquaman and Green Lantern and Wonder Woman and Batman and Superman, and then their friends, the Wonder Twins. I'm not just I'm like I feel like I'm shouting I, into the abyss here. I think this the is, price- I get the price on getting college athletes to do these goofy photo shoots has gone I up know. in the last year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's like a like, TikTok of them already from today where they, you know, the tortilla slap challenge thing. They uh, were doing that today. They they were slapping. Is it slap somebody in the face with a tortilla? Yeah, they were doing that. And they already look like each other. I have a quote from CJ. This they They asked him like, when did you first meet Jackson? The direct quote is, I remember seeing some light skinned dude that looked like me from Texas and he was balling <laughs> at the opening. Their hairstyle is a little similar at the moment, is it not? I told them they all log- walked in here looking like twins because they all had dark suits and dreadlocks and they're all light skinned. Yeah, that uh, I I really think we're li- we're 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 hitting on something with this Wonder Twins thing. Ask TikTok to do a Wonder Twins challenge. That would be better. So what people are slapping each other in the face with a tortilla? I don't <laughs> like these TikTok challenges. You feel, they you do feel, all kinds of destructive yeah. things, and well, then the principal has funny. to send out an email because TikTok was like. Hey, everybody, put your shoe in a toilet, make a TikTok. And it's like, I'm going to do a TikTok challenge. And then the, the toilets get clogged up. I don't want to get if I get slapped in the face with a tortilla, I'm going to be very upset because so, that tortilla should be eaten. So the, the game is one. The yeah, you sound like you got the email from a principal over at Westerville South or Central lately. But it, the whole point is you put water in your mouth and you have tortillas and you play rock, paper, scissors. And whoever loses gets slapped with tortilla. And the goal is to get slapped and not lose the water in your mouth. I the I only cry one for I've our seen youth. So far was I cry the for only our one youth. I've seen is uh, Kevin Hart against uh, The Rock. That mm-hmm. was pretty funny. Oh, that was oh Aaron Donald did it with his wife. Luckily, his wife kept winning. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, TikTok. I'm deleting. I'm deleting all my social media. I don't want to know about this. The Rock did it. 
What's up, Rock? Rock is old. Aaron Donald is old. Don't. Okay, it's fine. If anybody has done the tortilla spit water on each other TikTok challenge, you can send a video of yourself doing it to Stephen Means, and then we'll talk. Don't about do that. I talk. Um, all right. So that's like the uh, Stephen. You spent the whole time with CJ Stroud. There was like a little back and forth uh, between CJ and Jackson over like something with the horse game, but we don't have to talk about that. What What was the CJ Stroud? vibe um as he i mean legitimately it's not like they launched a heisman campaign but it honestly is like the first of a hundred steps it's like hey here we go it's talking season talking matters in the heisman trophy race what was the vibe around cj stroud who made it to new york last year yeah cj is one of the faces of college football at this point he's very comfortable in it in a way that he wasn't last year he's even said it. he's had from the fame aspect of it to the on the field aspect of it it was the word he used was at times he was a little too political last year with how he would answer questions in the media and he was trying to do everything right and be you know what the poster child quarterback is but uh, i I can't remember the exact quote right now but there's a way to do things right but there's a way to do things right and also be yourself and i think that's something he had to learn and that's what most people have to learn when you're in that spotlight and just in general it's like when you're young and you're going through something for the first time you don't want to make mistakes in any way possible but then you get comfortable and you realize it's easier to be yourself and he's starting to be that and I think this summer of has kind of felt for him like what it is what's going to be like to be a professional quarterback you know he's doing commercials he's got express deals he's got a nice car he's doing all this stuff he's having to learn time management while also preparing for an NFL for a college football season and he's learned to do that better than maybe he did last year just because he's more comfortable with it. And he was joking with guys in the media the entire time. The whole face of the franchise thing for a quarterback who's going to be a first-round pick is like a real thing. It's not the most yep. important thing, being accurate and smart and being able to make throws on broken plays and all that stuff matters a lot more. But like that's an absolute part of it. And so this is all a training for that. And, you know, it happens. it happens with all the guys that – until you are super established on the field, usually when you're talking, you're worried you're gonna, you might say something that's going to make your coach mad. And then once it's like, you know, it's all good, coach. I got it. And Ryan Day trusts you. And if, and if you say something that makes your coach grimace, it's like, don't worry. I'm going to throw five touchdown passes in the first game. It's okay. And then you can be yourself. And it's nothing better than smart young football players who have the confidence and the comfort to be themselves. And that what you're describing, Stephen, is that's where C.J. Stroud is. And that's going to make a fun season. We enjoyed talking football with CJ last year. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he enjoyed it all the time, but I also think he was comfortable talking about reads and throws and why he did this as the season went on, but that's still not your full personality. This was much more of the full personality and he's a very likable guy. And I think everyone listening to this podcast right now is going to enjoy getting to see more of what CJ Stroud is all about as as you said, Stephen, not only the face of the Ohio State Buckeyes, but but one of the faces of college football. This guy is the Heisman favorite in a lot of places. So um, it's it's nice to see that happen. Quick bake again. When we come back, can this be a top 10 defense on Buckeye Talk? Doug Nathan, Stephen. All right. The top 10 defense conversation. The word was expect. Last year, Ohio State's defense was 59th in the nation in yards allowed per game. It was 38th in the nation in points allowed per game. And by uh, FEI, which is a rating from Football Outsiders, it was 42nd. That's a little more of a comprehensive kind of stat that takes a lot of things into into consideration, maybe takes out some garbage time scores and just gives you, I think, a better overall feel because sometimes yards and points, especially in college football, don't just tell us everything because – if you're blowing somebody out 50 to nothing and your second team defense gives up 30 points in the second well, half, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it can be hard. So it's all in the same range. The opponent level too. Yeah. It has to be yeah. corrected to the level of the opponent too. So Ohio state last year, 38 in points allowed per game. They gave up 22.8 points per game. Baylor was 10th at 18.3 points per game. So Nathan, that's only an improvement of 4.5 points per game. Georgia, by the way, was first in the country last year, giving up 10.2. <laughs> so Ohio, gave, Ohio State gave up twice as many points per game as Georgia. But Ryan Day didn't say we should be the number one defense. He said we should be top 10. Can they be? Will they be? Ryan Day says expect. Okay, that's on the table, Nathan. What do we make of that? Is that a realistic expectation for this season? 
you know, I, I like to use yards per play when I'm just using like just the, the raw numbers. And last year, Ohio State was 5.33 yards per play. That was somewhere down like 43rd nationally to be in the top 10. They would have had to be uh, 4.76. So you know, more than half a yard less per play. But the team that did that, one of the teams that did that, Penn State. And Alabama was 4.77 and Minnesota 4.86. So, and then Minnesota is even a team that plays played Ohio State last year. So a lot of times you look at the Big Ten numbers and you think, well, these Big Ten teams that put up these great defensive numbers without playing Ohio State, Minnesota and Penn State both did that. Um, so that to me is not necessarily unrealistic. I think it's a separate conversation when he brings up 2019 and whether you think that they could be that kind of astonishing defense, but I don't necessarily know that that's what he was saying. I think he was simply saying that you can have a year of transition. You can have a year of installing a new defense. You can have a year where you're relying on uh, guys uh, on their way up as opposed to maybe proven guys. Although again, we can have a conversation whether that applies to 2019 and still succeed on defense. And maybe the most important thing he said on defense the whole time we were standing there, because you and I were standing next to each other, Doug, and he brought up um, how much he appreciated that when he was looking at Jim Knowles' career, how well his teams adapted in-game when things were going wrong, when the opponent was having success, that he had enough tools in his toolbox to come up with a solution on the fly. And you kind of you turned to me as like, well, that was Oregon, right? That was a, that was absolutely a remark about Oregon. And I think you're right. I think that that was a it wasn't just a preparation problem. Although I think in coaching and in in all sports, I think there, a lot more of it has to do with what you do the other six days of the week more than what you do on game day. But I think it the combination of that first thing I just said plus what he thinks Knowles can do in game will could could push this team back towards that level that I was talking about, because again, it's just teams. It's only teams as good as Minnesota and Alabama that are doing that last year. In 2019 in points per game, Ohio state ranked fourth. The last time their defense was good. They gave up 13.7 points per game. Again, last year they gave up 22.8. So that's an increase of nine points a game. Steven, do you think they can do it? Do you think this can be, should be, do you think it can be, I guess can is the question we care about. Can they be a top 10 defense this year? I mean, on paper, it looks like it. Sure. But games are one on paper. I mean, you got that 2021 class has got guys like JT and Jack and Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock stepping into bigger roles. Josh Proctor's coming back. Bronny Hickman's coming back. They've got a gaggle of, you know, linebackers to choose from. Sure. On paper, it looks like being a top 10 defense shouldn't be a crazy expectation. Really, it shouldn't be a crazy expectation any year, but especially this year with how much they have, how many young guys that got experience last year who are back and ready to take bigger roles. I was going to say, I think it's possible because you mentioned before, Doug, like there's this metric, there's that metric, there's FEI, there's whatever you want to use. I think it could be because of the schedule, will Ohio State actually look better in the analytics than it would just in the raw numbers in some ways? Because you got to play Notre Dame, you got to play Wisconsin, you got to play Michigan. This is a tough schedule. And I do think there's also something the idea of, and I guess you can't really rate it this way, but you know, if if Joel Klatt or if Kirk Herbstreet or if Bruce Feldman or some, you know, when people are, if they get to December and they say, I'm going to rank my top 10 defenses in the country, right? That it's not just statistical. If we did it, if Shahan and I did it in the college football playoffs or on the college football survivor show, like, would you think about Ohio state that way? Cause I will tell you that on the most recent college football survivor show, we ranked, the playoff contenders that we currently are considering contenders and we have not gone through everybody yet by their defense. And the, the six teams we ranked were Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Baylor, Texas A&M, and Ohio State. And Shahan very quickly put Ohio State last in that group with no question about it. As someone who knows college football but doesn't follow Ohio State every day, I had Ohio State fifth out of six in that group. I had them ahead of Texas A&M. But like that's one of those things, right, where – Again, I don't think they have to. Georgia, Alabama, and Clemson are probably going to be the three best defenses in the country. I don't think they have to be that good, but they should be as good as Baylor. And again, Baylor's a threshold. Baylor was 10th in the nation last year in points allowed per game. That, you know, I think right now Baylor has a bunch back on the defensive line. And just if you're not sure about Ohio State, I I would put Baylor ahead of Ohio State. Um, But I think that's a decent target, right? We're, We're not asking Ohio State to be Georgia, but can you be Baylor? 
I think that's reasonable. Here's the other thing to remember that 2019 defense to again use Ryan Day's comparison had so much farther to climb to be the defense it was than the 20 statistically than last year's defense does to try to become a top 10 defense this year. It, that number I that stat I used before, um, yards allowed per game, and I said it was 5.33 last year for Ohio State. It was 5.77. They ranked 72nd in the nation in 2018. Uh, so the bottom, what, bottom third, almost bottom quartile of college football um, yeah. in yards allowed per play. And they're just an awful defense. That was an awful defense. Last year, I don't know if you'd call it an awful defense. It just wasn't a good enough defense to be a, a national championship contender at the end of the season. This defense, to take all the talent that they have coming back, and especially the promising talent that you're uh, of guys who it, it's not a figment of people's um, wishing that JT Tuimaloao and Jack Sawyer could be great football players. I mean, they were, they've were they been great football players their whole life. It's just a matter of transitioning it to this level. It's not as huge of a transition to go from what they were last year to not all the way to 2019 level, but certainly back to the level of competing to be a defense that allows less than five yards a game, 30 yards of play. It's interesting because who did they lose from last year's defense that they actually will miss? Haskell Garrett, you could argue. Really? Like, but like, is he it? Yeah, that might be uh, like one. I don't think he was that impactful where I would say they'll miss him. But I think they'll miss him more as like a yeah, locker I mean, room leader than they will like the on field production for what he was last. Not 2020, just in 2021. Yeah. But like the point is, but he's yeah. still probably at the top of the list. But like there's almost yeah. I mean, there's Terry not really Smith. anybody. Terry Smith. Yeah. Tyreek Smith was the best player on the field in a couple of games. No, last that's year. fair. Unless, I would put, um, I would put yeah. Tyreek Smith ahead of Haskins. Don't miss that, him unless J, yeah. unless JT becomes what we think he might become. Then you don't miss yeah. him anymore. Unless unless we think, I mean, because part of it is you leave, and that, that's how the great programs work. Somebody leaves, yeah. and somebody just as good or maybe even better is right there to replace him. But that's the. But it is going to be. It's interesting, Stephen. It's like, it's a lot of the same faces who last year weren't really good enough, but they're older. And they have a new coordinator, and we think that should be enough because a lot of the best guys were very young last year. And Denzel mm-hmm. Burke played a lot of snaps, and JT got out there a fair amount. And Steel Chambers was new to the position, but still played a lot. And Josh Proctor coming back from injury, and Ronnie Hickman sort of had to be the leader of the defense, but he should even be better. Sometimes, I mean, it's not like a wholesale change. As much as we felt like there was a recruiting dip and whatever, and now that's rectified a bit, it's a lot of the same faces, but we do sort of have an expectation that they'll be better because a lot of them are on just on track in their careers and they're, they're going to be older. Yeah, I think it's just that it's so many guys where uh, there can be a significant jump between year one and year two just because you know what you're doing as a football player, but you're still not the best version of yourself. So is whatever jump some of these second year guys or that's going to be a lot of them who are playing are going to make this year. Is that going to be enough to make this a top 10 defense or are we going to have to wait another year for them to be third year guys to really see that boom? It's interesting to make sure we keep framing it that way, though, because like there's there's a lot of things to be intrigued about on this defensive line. But the defensive line has to be better than it was last year. The same level defensive line play that they got last year will not be good enough this year. They have right. to be better. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 both like enthusiasm for a jump to be made or, or not enthusiasm from our standpoint, but just like, you know, a confidence that it could happen, belief that it could happen. And then the necessity that some of it has to happen. They, it, they don't the 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 foundation that they're starting with is not high enough. Their floor is not high enough yet. So I did a quick little thing that actually I feel like is a pretty decent way to judge a defense. And I just did 2019 compared to 2021. And it made me think that the 2021 defense was actually worse than I realized it was. And it's this. I went through all the offenses that both they played both years in 2019 and 2021 and how many points per game those offenses average for the season and how many points per game they scored, how many points they scored against Ohio State. And so how, for instance, Florida Atlantic averaged 36.4 points per game in 2019, but against Ohio State, Florida Atlantic scored 21. 
So Ohio State held Florida Atlantic 15.4 points under their average, right? So that's what I did. When I went through 2019, of the 14 games they played, guess how many teams scored more than their average points per game against Ohio State out of 14? Steven, I'll let you guess first. How many scored more in 2019? Two. Nathan? Three. One. And it's, it was Rutgers. <laughs> of course. Rutgers had the 129th ranked offense in the country that year. They averaged 13.3 points per game, but they scored 21 against Ohio State. I think some of that in garbage time. Last year, Ohio State, of the 13 games they played, guess how many offenses scored better than their average against Ohio State? Nathan, I'll let you go first on this one. I thought I was – actually, this is what I thought I was guessing before. I'll still say three. Steven. Four. Five. Minnesota, Oregon, Purdue, Michigan, and Utah all scored above their average. And overall, okay, overall, Ohio State held opposing offenses in 2019 to 15.3 points per game below their collective average, right? You know what I'm, you know what I'm getting at there? On average, it was 15.3 fewer. Last year... It was 4.5. And the offenses they faced were pretty much just as bad. They faced six offenses last year that were ranked 80th or worse in the country. They only faced two offenses that were top 20. In 2019, they faced five offenses that were ranked 80th or lower, and they faced three that were in the top 20. So they didn't face that many good offenses last year, Nathan, and they still couldn't hold them like under their average. They still like, they just, you know, Penn state, they held them to one point less Tulsa. They held them to six points less. Um, Like they didn't, they didn't dominate anybody, Nathan. And I think like that is a huge gap to me. We're holding teams 15 points under their average. We're holding teams 4.5 points under their average against. And we said, when we were talking about this earlier, we were like, ah, 2019, their, their opponents sucked. Last year, the offenses weren't that great either. The only top 20 offenses they faced were Michigan and Utah at the end of the year. You know, they gave up Oregon, it turned out, as the 42nd ranked offense in the nation. And they dropped 35 on Ohio State over their average, right? They weren't getting rolled by great offenses a year ago. So they have a better schedule this year, we think. Wisconsin's offense will be real. Notre Dame's offense will be real. Braylon Allen, Michael Mayer, Michigan, Blake Corum. We get all that, right? But... I, there, there really is to, to, I guess the point to me, Nathan, is there really is a lot of room for growth here because of right. course we knew 2019 was better than 2021, but man, they kind of let a bunch of middling offenses sort of have their way with them last year, like week after week after week. Yeah. I think also though, there are some small fixes that you can make that add up over the course of a year. If you become more sturdy in the back end, if you have someone who stops those breakaway plays that you were seeing um, with some regularity last year. Um, teams are still driving, but you take off the back end of, of those long runs. And now something like, you know, it starts to flip the yards per game. It starts to take off those, those touchdowns that um, a team doesn't have to work for. Uh, it, it doesn't have to go from, you know, uh, being completely vulnerable to being completely dominant. I think there's there's something that they can build towards over the course of a year. But I also think that it's why you can't take for granted. You know, everybody I talk to that doesn't cover Ohio State, you just have casual conversations at a place like Big Ten Media Days. They're like, you know, I, I think they're really going to crush Notre Dame in that first game. And, and maybe they will. But I, it's hard right now to think of Ohio State like crushing another really good team until you see this defense actually go out and and sort of back up this um, the swagger and the edge and stuff that they're kind of talking about right now. Does any of that like bring in the fact like what happened against Purdue last year where like Ohio State got up big, but then Purdue just started throwing it around the yard and Ohio State. Well, no, I mean, it's just, okay. it's just points. It's just points. Okay. It's, 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 it's stats you can do in two minutes. Okay. So yeah, I mean, that certainly factors in, um, which is why it, I, those, those I, more advanced stats I think are better sometimes because they take in to account some of those things. I mean, unless okay. they crush Notre Dame, like, 52 to 30, which is a three score win, 
and yeah. like a domination, but also you gave up 30 points. Like that might be the way they crushed Notre Dame. They cover, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're an 18 point favorite and they cover because they score seven touchdowns. So that might be the path to that. Let, let's wrap up with this because I'm getting hot under my tablecloth. Buck I talk. <sighs> It's getting hot under this tablecloth. Will Ohio State have a top 10 defense this season? And and I think we can just, we can take that however you want. We'll use all these same metrics again at the end of the year, but kind of Nathan, like every metric we came up with, they were like in the 30s, 40s, or 50s last year. So will they be closer to being in the 10 or 12 or, or teens range next year? I think that's reasonable. Will Ohio State have a top 10 defense this season? The choice I gave the texters. Yes, I'm sure of it. Yes, but it'll be tough. Good solid D, but probably not top 10 or no way. That's too much to ask. Nathan, what do you think won the poll? I think good solid D, but probably not top 10. Steven, what won the poll? Yes, but it'll be tough. Steven, what would you have voted in that poll? Probably yes, but it'll be tough just because. I think they can flirt with it, even if they're not numerically actually that. Nathan, what would you have voted? I would have voted for the same thing, I guess. The the good, solid defense, but probably not top 10. Okay, good, solid defense, but probably not top 10, one, 52%. Yes, but it'll be tough, 33%. Yes, I'm sure of it, 11%. No way, only 4%. I actually thought there might be more no ways, more that are like, ah, oh, I mean, like, I'll, Maybe top 25, but are you joking? Like immediate transformation. And I'm still not sure who Chase Young is. I'm actually, that's a, that's some optimism. I think Nathan, that only 4% said no way. Well, listen, if you're an Ohio state fan and you've, you've been watching this program for a long time. Yes. You recognize that 2018 was a dip. Yes. You recognize that, you know, 2020, there were some vulnerabilities and 2021, they were obviously what held them out of the playoff. But I think you would also say Ohio state's, even in, in these recent years, has not been a bad defense in back-to-back years. So if you think that they were bad last year, if you think that those numbers by Ohio State standard were bad, um, it's reasonable, and there's always optimism this Wait, time But year, What but would you say probably- they were in 2020? How would you describe them in 2020? I'm throwing that out because 2020 is just weird altogether. Yeah, it, it's a little bit hard to judge. I, I also don't know if I'd say – I don't know if you can have a bad defense and still make the playoff. Well, like, I, don't know. I think they kind of Oklahoma would like Lincoln Riley would like a word. I mean, the, the, but that Alex Grinch's gigantic about, contract would like to. Yeah, but 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 no, I'm talking about at Ohio State. I'm talking about getting through a, a Big Ten schedule. And listen, I mean, what they did to Clemson was partially defensively driven. And so I understand what you're saying. They definitely had some problems in the secondary that year. But as a whole, I don't know if I'd call it a bad defense. I think last year was more it's certainly 2018 was 2018 was a bad defense. We so came in to 2021 saying like, Hey, that kind of first year under Kerry Combs wasn't good enough. We'll see if he's better this year. And then it wasn't. I think what we, we did, but we also said, let's chalk it up to COVID and let's see what happens now. He has a normal situation and no, it just wasn't it. But so Jim Knowles doesn't have that built in, but okay, it's COVID. So let's just kind of deal with it. I guess so, all I'm saying is I, all I'm saying is that when you when you look at at what they did last year and the shortcomings that were there, but the, the all the solutions that we've talked about that still would be on this roster, so, and and it, it, I know that that's always a tricky thing, right? Because it's like, oh, this team wasn't very good last year, but we return everybody. I think when you look at the average Big Ten program, that's probably the wrong way to look at things. When you look at the average Ohio State program, where a lot of guys were asked to play. You know, Denzel Burke is asked to start on opening day. JT Tuomaloa has been here, like, still figuring out how to, like, um, you know, <laughs> turn the key the right way in his, his dorm room or whatever and is getting in the first half of games. Like, you know, they were pushing guys into games really early last year. And I think it's reasonable to look at that and say uh, that was a contributing factor to why that defense wasn't good enough but is a contributing factor to why this defense could be significantly better. So, but the thing that I like, I think is not true. You said they haven't had bad defenses in back-to-back years. And yes, it was a COVID year. The defense in both 20 and 21 was not good enough. They were 43rd in points and 59th in yards in 2020. 
And yes, it was a COVID year, but three of the last four years, the Ohio State defense has not been good enough. Because in 18 and 21, it definitely wasn't. And in 20, it wasn't. COVID, yes, we get it. But but if the question is, was it good enough or not? The answer is no. Now, they got to the national championship anyway. They did. But was it did it was it a defense that met the Ohio State standard that had the the great playmakers that we are had become accustomed to at Ohio State? I would say no. So now we're talking about do we think they'll be better in 2022? And the reality is three of the last four years, Ohio State's defense hasn't been hasn't been good enough. And so does that mean in 2022? It's time for it to be good enough for Gannon. Does it mean like this has been a, a defense trending downward and they're not going to flip it overnight? I would say that 2020 was a bad secondary, not a bad defense. I think 2021 was the worst defense. But I think I was responding to your point about you were surprised that there were only 4% who said no way. And I was just trying to explain why I think that it's reasonable to have optimism that it, it's something that it is attainable for this team. But mostly just because of of the, the personnel, not the, the the trend that we've seen over those years, because those years were not these personnel. They didn't have a guy average more than half a sack per game in 2020. I, think I thought all of 2020 have- we talked about how like they yeah they got some pressure, but nobody got home. It wasn't only the secondary. No, it wasn't. I think the difference this time is a lot of the players we're talking about who are coming back were like true freshmen last year. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, the, the two years prior, it was veterans who just continued to not get it done. I, I'm not I'm not saying it's impossible for them to have a top 10 defense this year. I would have voted solid defense, but not right. top 10. I would have voted that. But given how people, I think, have felt in their guts watching their team. Three of the last four years, they have felt. That is not an Ohio State defense. I'm a little surprised it was only 4%. And if that's that's a belief in Knowles, then so be it. That's not unreasonable. As someone who covered those three teams, though, do you see a, beyond the name on the jersey, do you see a connection through, is there a common denominator for why 2018, 2020, and 2021 weren't good enough? Scheme and personnel. They didn't have superstars. Yeah. They didn't have superstars. They did not have individual superstars. And... Yeah, I mean, and yeah, the Shiano scheme in 18 had everybody screwing up. And um, I mean, I, th- I think the only group in 2020 that was good was the linebackers, because then in 2021, mm-hmm. they missed all the linebackers because they had four veteran linebackers. But I but again, Pete Werner and Baron Browning were good in 2020. Tokyo, yeah, Tokyo and, and Garrett were good. I don't know. Show me Ryan yeah, here, show me Chase Young. And, yeah. I sit, we're, and like, show me Jeff Okuda. No, and, we're not, and we're not. They're, we're not there. We Three of the last four years, we haven't been there. And then Chase Young tore people's arms off. So um, this is a discussion that we will continue to have. But I... That was really a pretty bad defense last year against some pretty mediocre offenses. That, again, it's not... It's not Bryce Young tearing people up. This is this was like they couldn't handle CJ Verdell and Anthony Brown. So like that's which which we knew at the time, but I just was running us of that. Okay, this was good. We we were we noted that Nathan. That's why we talked about it because of all the things that were said. Ryan Day talking three different times of all the things that were said, Nathan. That felt like the most noteworthy. Your ears perked up for sure, right? That's why we had this discussion at Big Ten Media Days, because that was something that Ryan Day laid down. Well, I just think it it says something to me when the head coach, it's one thing for him to say, I expect it to be better. Jim Knowles was talking about in the spring, too, that he didn't come here and think I'm I'm starting a five year rebuilding plan or something. You know what I mean? Right. Like he knew that it's a that the 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 rope here is is short when like you've got to. That's probably not the best analogy, but the runway is short. Like you, you don't get a lot of uh, leeway here. You've got to get this thing going pretty quickly. That's why they're paying you what they are. And even if they weren't paying you that much, it's still Ohio state. But to hear Ryan day throw around a, a term like top 10, I mean, he's thinking to said top 20 today. And that doesn't hit your ears the same way. Agreed. And top 20 is still a big jump from where they were last year and where they were, especially on the, from a past defense standpoint in 2020 and and so it, it to come in and say top 10 really i'm not saying it calls anybody out but it certainly puts people on notice that uh what exactly the level of expectation is okay we'll dig into this a little bit more but we definitely want to talk about it now 
We'll continue to inform you and uh, inform ourselves about what C.J. Stroud said, about what Jackson Smith and Jigman said, about what Ronnie Hickman said. There's a lot to process there. We'll keep talking about it, and we'll, we'll do some more recruiting some point this week. Caleb Downs, not a Buckeye. But for now, we got to get out of here before they uh, tear this tablecloth off my head and kick us out. So thanks to you guys for listening. For Stephen Means, for Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. 